Hello and welcome to episode number 32 of the Perth to Paisley podcast, your probably fourth-ish stop for all Heart of Midlothian Football Club news and chat. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Daniel McIver, and I am, as always as well, joined by Adam Kennedy. Adam, how are you doing? Um, I, I, I had a shocking weekend, mate. Um, Friday night, we saw some absolute dross um, on, on our television screens, which will, of course, be the primary talking point of today. Sunday, Valentine's Day, just a reminder of loneliness. Um, I've been single since June, and despite my mental health issues, which I've openly talked about in the past, ugh, lockdown's getting to me. So it's far from ideal, but my... Facebook bio is stressed, depressed, heart and Midlothian obsessed. And we called the first episode that. Couldn't be more true after how I'm feeling this weekend. But how are you doing? Oh, great. I'm top of the world, mate. Absolutely loving life. Um, no, I, this is the first podcast in about three weeks that I've had a decent night's sleep beforehand. So that's a positive. But yeah, um, I think we're all in the situation just now where we can't. It's hard to see the end that's in sight. I think that's the kind of main point, but there is going to be an end in sight. There is stuff for us to talk about in a positive way. I don't know how much of that is going to be on tonight's show, but <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, the, that's a good point that you brought up actually um, about your mental health as we are still continuing the talk of the tune special chats that we're doing through Big Hearts uh, this week as you listen to this if you listen to it on the day it comes out Tuesday the 16th Mr Laurie Dunsire from Scars in the Funnel and I can't remember which re- representative it is from This Is My Story Do I think it's remember? Tam again I think. I think it is Tam that does ring a bell so they are doing the Tuesday ones and I can't remember who are doing the Thursday ones however it'll just be a laugh come along it's great to chat Obviously, as me and Adam have said over the last few weeks, it's not just for people whose mental health is low or feel that you need a bit of contact. It's also just if you miss just speaking about hearts. You could be having the time of your life in lockdown, but the one thing that you miss is speaking about hearts with other people. It's there for that as well. But as we said, it is also there if you just want some company and contact. And they've been really good. I've been unavailable for the last few, and I'm going to be unavailable for the next couple towards the end of this month however then next month I'll be back but Adam you seem to have been in quite a fair few and seem to have been enjoying them yeah I've been in a, a, a trio of them yeah um, and yeah they've been they've been great like you say it's not it doesn't even have to be hearts related because the one with John Cahoon he was talking about all sorts like even I don't know Boca Juniors and La Bombonera or it just it doesn't even have to be football related Andy Webster was on about sort of pranks that they used to play in training and what have you so yeah it's uh it's 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 a it's a decent release and i've got to be honest it's turned into one of the highlights of my week on the the days that i can make it absolutely so if you do want to get involved you can sign up for one session you can sign up for every session it is totally up to you go to big hearts on either facebook twitter or the website is in the description of this podcast and get involved however we are here to speak about hearts, oh. as we would do. And you don't sound like that. Come on! I'm not looking forward Pos- to this, mate. I'm really Positivity, not. it's great. There's nothing to be negative about. Oh, wait. Um, so, last Friday, 
Hartman and Lothian continue their run of Friday night away fixtures on the telly as we tra- tra- travelled we travelled to Palmerston Park to play Queen of the South down in Dumfries, near where I'm from, kinda. And, well, I listened back to our episode last week, Adam, and you were very confident heading into the game, going, yeah, we'll beat them, that's fine. When you saw the team, seeing that we were handing a first start to new boy Gervain Castanier and quite fielded quite a strong team as well, how did you feel then? I was I was very confident um, because, <laughs> like I'd said on Talk Scottish Football, I, I confidently said that they were the worst team that I've seen come to Tynecastle this season. Um, and having seen the starting 11, I expected us to win, maybe not as convincingly as some jambos, myself included, might like, but I expected, yeah, a, a, a sort of routine victory despite our, I don't know, our, our perceived away day struggles and our, I don't know, our incapability to to entertain on live television, particularly when it's the BBC. Well, we're not... At, sometimes we analyse games by going through each individual moment and the big events that happened, and sometimes we just speak about them generally. And I think this is one of the games that we're going to speak about generally because there was only really two main talking points in terms of incidents in the match. But, as you'll all know, as you listen to this, the game finished one all in a result that we should feel lucky for, to be honest, because Queen of the South and Alan Johnson's side will feel very, very remiss not to have claimed all three points on that quite windy night. That's something we'll agree on. Yes, that is something we'll agree on. <laughs> Me and Adam were speaking beforehand. We don't know how much we're going to agree on in this. <laughs> but that is definitely something we can agree on. Queen of the South were good and we were rubbish. But what is your... Before we go into kind of specifics <laughs> about players or the general consensus. What are, what are your overall thoughts on Friday night? Rotten. Abs- absolutely rotten. Um, I find myself saying this every week about Hearts TV highlights when I watch back to, you know, think of talking points to discuss the, the general prep surrounding the pod. Five minutes long. The second half highlights last for one minute and 58 seconds. The duration of that half was 45 minutes and all it shows is a Queen of the South counter-attack which they could and should do better mm-hmm. and us winning our penalty and that's it I'm I'm, I'm not angry about the first half I actually thought we shaded it and got off to a pretty decent start all things Same. considered <laughs> um, and then if you take the half as a whole I thought we were unfortunate to find ourselves behind as for the second Particularly when chasing the game, dearie, dearie me. I mean, it skips from 55 minutes to 89 minutes. That's how little highlights there actually were. Have a word, Hearts. Honestly, it's embarrassing. (laughs) That's... Right, it is embarrassing, but it's also hilarious. That's funny as anything. But it's so bad, honestly. We're trying to paint it as the best picture. You know that Hearts TV is going to try and be biased in any way that it possibly can to show mugs like you and I or paint this picture that we're actually good. 
even Hearts TV knows we were shit. That's how well, bad it actually is. We definitely, definitely were. Um, I actually agree, again, with you in that sense that I thought we were good in the first half. I thought we just looked like we were at it immediately. We had a, really, a few really good chances very early on. Yeah, we looked direct. I'd, I'd, looked, I'd, I'd, I'd go along with all that. Hundred percent. It was quite. It was quite similar. In a, I felt to the Wraith Rovers away first half, for the first kind of twenty five minutes, um, where it just felt whilst we weren't scoring, we were definitely going to score. The goal seemed to be coming from nowhere, and then we were on the, the front pen- foot. hundred percent. Yeah, but it's absolutely. obviously as you as you're going to touch on what what happens after that. Well. I, I don't even want to call it a penalty because it's never a penalty. <laughs> It's a Stephen Kingsley foul on him. He gets fouled. But Queen and South give a penalty. What were your thoughts on it? <sighs> this is the main frustration for me. Because genuinely, and I mean this absolutely wholeheartedly, they had done absolutely nothing until that It was penalty. their first shot. The penalty was their first shot. I mean, honestly, that, that genuinely speaks volumes. And listen, we can touch on chances. I mean, there was a there was a GMS header sort of five minutes in, which was a nice ball mm-hmm. from Smith down the right. A Walker shot where again we seem to be linking up um, Gary McKay Stephen again on the right hand side this time, having swapped with Castanier and the Queen's keeper obviously tips it onto the post. That was basically it. Um, and obviously watching the highlights back, I thought that Robert Borthwick actually summed it up perfectly in the Hearts TV commentary where. The boy Jones is essentially lifting his leg into Stephen Kingsley's path, who then has no alternative but to bring him down. And then, of course, they score it. No Connor Shields, no Stephen Dobie, and they found a way to score. The the worst team in the division, in my eyes, so far this season, have found a way to score past us. And... it's the it's the reaction from that that's the annoyance for me. Aside from obviously them, as I say, having done quite literally nothing prior to that. Well, as you say, we go into half time one 0 down. But I thought we were the better team, which I think is true. I think we were the better team for that full forty five, and I was just kind of thinking, okay, there's a wee few things I'd maybe change, just kind of tweak shape a wee bit. But I w- in my head, I was like, if we keep doing what we're doing, we'll be absolutely fine. And then one highlight in <laughs> a full half of football then ensued. Um, kept the ball a lot. Something like, I saw somebody, I don't know if this is true. I saw somebody say we had something like 80% possession in that second half. Um, Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, because Queen's just very much, they almost had a living behind the ball for most of the half. Uh, but they very much operated on the counter-attack because their, their attacking force were very fast and we were kind of exposed in that sense. However, it was only a couple of times they managed to get in behind and then obviously did nothing from it. But we just failed to create anything. They were Queen were very, very well drilled, in fairness to them. They, they set up in a bank of a four, a five, and a one, and then sometimes changed it to just a flat four, four, two, and frustrated us. Uh, we had guys such as Castanier trying to do stuff, but looked miles off it. 
Uh, I'm not going to give too much of a judgment on him because I, I don't think it's fair to just now, but he, he definitely didn't have as good a game as he did when he came on against Ayr. Unbelievably, in my opinion, Gary Mackay-Steven stayed in the park for 90 minutes. Uh, I thought he looked... It was a dreadful performance. Again, I'm not going to... Um, can I criticise him too much because he's still behind everybody else? Like, can I just say I actually thought he was all right first half. He was one of few that yeah, the first twenty minutes I thought he looked quite good. And yeah, he did, and then I'd, and then God knows what happened because, like you say, for the for the following seventy to maybe an, an hour, he was absolutely non-existent. So I'd go along with that. Um, and then we had. <sighs> It's hard to speak about because I want to get to kind of more general talking points, but I do want to speak about the game. Um, I, w- I will say this as a, as a positive. I thought the one positive of the night, was, again, I seem to be saying this every week, was Liam Boyce. I thought he still had a good game. He was linking up everywhere. He was dropping as deep as sometimes going an eight-hour half to pick up the ball because the midfield around him was non-existent. Uh, he was trying everything sometimes he'd trip himself up because he was trying to simultaneously pass the ball to himself and then shoot and then obviously we get the penalty and he scores it but i saw some people criticizing boyce as well as everybody else what what's your take on it do you think that boyce had a good game like me or do you think no he was part of that side that did that so you can't say he had a good game no i i wondered where you were actually going to go with that i I would go along with you and and say that he did have a good game. I, to me, in an attacking sense, I just felt for Liam Boyce because mm-hmm. he just appeared so isolated. And you could see when Stephen Naismith came on that the two of them mm-hmm. were trying to strike up a little partnership. I don't. Jamie Walker's been the man in the moment recently, but he was pretty poor at Palmerston, I thought, and I just felt he was like. Terrible. When, when Nasey came on, he gave us that little bit life, and it seemed as though the two of them had that bit chemistry and were trying to make things happen, and obviously eventually did so with winning our penalty. So I, I wanted Nasey to start at Somerset. I wouldn't have been overly against, and I know it's easy to say this in hindsight, but I wouldn't have been overly against wanting him to start um, at the weekend there as well. I don't even think starting is an issue because I can understand not starting them, but when you have the waste of a substitution that was Ewan Henderson, I don't understand why Naismith didn't come on then instead of a further 15 minutes later. Agreed. And you could see sometimes, you're right, in that maybe Naismith is better primarily as an impact sub as opposed to starting. Because when he comes on... It's as though he's taken everything in whilst he's watching on the bench and knows exactly who to scream at. Mm-hmm. This is this is a big annoyance of mine as well, in that I don't think we've got any leaders. I think Interesting. I think Stephen Naismith is one of few leaders in that team. And I think Friday was just the the total evidence of that. Interesting, because I would personally disagree, because I would say Boyce, Smith, Kingsley, Naismith, Herring when he's fit, and Gordon would all immediately be classed as leaders, and then you have people, which is debatable, but what I mean by this is former Livingston captain Craig Halkett 
you have to be a leader to be the club captain. I don't just mean because you can fill in as captain sometimes, no, but of course. to be to be club captain, you have to have leadership qualities. Halkett maybe has not necessarily shown them as evidently as we all thought he would have, but there's that. I think Irving could grow into it. He's give very us, young just now. Sorry, mate. Give us your list again, and I'll say yes so, or no. So I'll start from the back. So Gordon. Yeah. Smith. Yes. Kingsley. Not sure. Interesting. I would say he is, because he always seems interested, and he's always... He looks like he's telling other people what to do. Not sure. I, I don't know whether it's... Uh, I get the impression that he might be suffering from confidence at points in games. I don't mean generally, because he's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I just I look on the other flank and I see Michael Smith never afraid to take possession on. I don't get that same impression with Stephen Kingsley. And that's I'm not, interesting because I, I do. And I'm not saying that that's sort of the, the you know the 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 defining quality in leadership, but I just feel as though it's Michael Smith obviously had that sort of period when he came out in the press and said that um, Hearts players ought to show a bit more bollocks, and I think. I, I just I, I can't see Stephen Kingsley making that sort of claim. I, I, I don't know why. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know the guy per se. So, but I just I don't get that same impression. Keep keep going with your list. Who else? Uh, we said Naismith, obviously, mm-hmm. and Boyce. <laughs> sort of, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I give him that. I'm not sure about Kingsley though. That's probably and then hearing one. when he was fit as well. Hearing when he was fit. But again, it's 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 ifs and buts. Of course, yeah. And then, obviously, we'll get to this point, because then I want to speak about the game more generally. We do get the penalty, which is a stonewaller, and Boyce puts it to bed. A really good penalty, actually. It's a fantastic penalty, much like his penalty against Ayr. And the game finishes one all. Do you agree with what I said at the top where Alan Johnston will feel remiss not to take all three points or do you think a draw was a fair result or what do you think? Oh no, absolutely. I think for as much as I thought that we shaded the first half, like I say, the second half we were absolutely shocking. And there's been many uh, a poor performance in my eyes this season. That 45 for me <laughs> is is right up there. It it probably is top of the list. I just think I've been frustrated with with recent weeks, and we're picking up wins. Now it seems like the luck's fizzing out of of the past few weeks. Right. Well, this so this is the thing I want to speak about, and it'll oh, lead into a separate chat we're going to have soon. Um, obviously, Twitter kind of exploded on Friday night when this happened, when the result came in, we got, we kind of got rescued by Boyce. Um, now into double figures, by the way. Hooray. That's positive. One of, one of few shining lights. Absolutely. Um, however, I, I made this very clear. I thought we were terrible. I was really unhappy with the performance. I thought we were miles off it. Nowhere near good enough at all. But, it just personally, I couldn't understand some of the reactions. Even despite how pish we've been the past few weeks? But I don't think we have been that bad in the past few weeks, that's oh, no, the thing. I, I think we have. 
I know, I know, so, you're, I know you're going to disagree because your argument will be that we've picked up however many points. Sort of, let's go with seven out of the last nine. <laughs> I don't know if it's just me looking in a in a negative aspect, but I look at it as we've just we've played two hundred and seventy minutes against, with all due respect, Dunfermline Athletic, Air United, and Queen of the South. We scored once from open play in that four and a half hour period. Four and a half hours. That this is my story, boys. Tweeted that we've got a playing budget of nine million pounds, supposedly. Nine million quid for one goal in open play against Dunfermline Athletic, Air United, and Queen of the South. That is that is the equivalent to a two thousand and seven Craig Gordon, i.e. the then record goalkeeping British transfer. I'm sorry to say, I'm expecting more. That doesn't paint the full... My problem with that is, that doesn't paint the full picture, because if that stat was its stat on its own, it would be worrying, but we've scored goals by other means. So you can't just simultaneously go, oh, it's terrible we've not scored goals from open play, but then when we have scored goals in other ways, you go, no, that doesn't matter. Like, we disregard them. All right, so, so... so was the penalty at Somerset a penalty? In my opinion, yes. That's what, I, like, last week I think it definitely was. Well, if it is, it's soft. Yeah, it's soft, but I still think it's a penalty. Oh, God. Because that's what I said last week. and I, I, I totally agreed with what Robbie said where he was like, it's different if it comes off his arm when, for example, in the Wraith game at home, their first goal, when it was pinballing about the place, if they got a penalty there because Halkett was stretching to come across and it rebounds off somebody's shin into his arm and his arm is in the position that it was for that air guy, I would go, that's pretty harsh. Like, I can understand it, but Jesus, that's really harsh. It's different when the ball's put in for 45 yards and you've got your arm at a complete 90 degree angle. Okay, so so what what explanation do you have for at least in, in my opinion, Dunfermline having the better of the chances at Tynecastle the week prior. Because, well, in my opinion, I don't really care if teams have better chances and we end up winning games. Personally, that's just especially, and this is kind of my general point, especially this year, because I heard all last season that we were creating, for example, the last two home games I went to last season were Hamilton where we drew two all and Motherwell where we drew one all. All I heard from Hearts fans was, "We we created a bit of chances. For God's sake, we created a bit of chances. How do we score it? Didn't matter. We didn't score them, and we got relegated on the back of that. It doesn't matter how many chances you create if you don't score them. Which was the problem on Friday night. We created some chances, no many, but we didn't score any of them until we got a Stonewaller. So as a result, Dunfermline could come to us." They didn't do this, but I, in my opinion, they had three good chances. They could come feel... to us and sorry, mate, go on, carry on. It's just they could come to us and have thirty-five good chances. We could have one if we score that one and they don't score any of theirs. Who cares? No one will remember that. They'll go. What was the score that game? Oh, Hearts won one nil. Are you not concerned about sort of the the long term though? Because I I get that point about us dominating games. But I felt that even despite how poor we were under Levine sometimes, we'd dominate games. And that the players sort of let him down on the park 
he gets sacked we continue to sort of dominate under Stendhal or the, or the style you know it appears like we're dominating games we pick up a couple wins but ultimately it means hee-haw because we get relegated anyway I just feel as though if the, if the performances were to improve in general we'd be in a much healthier place sort of I don't want to say regardless of the result but it obviously helps when performance and result go hand in hand no but we are we have dominated games this year we've won what, six against two. second tier draws but th- but that that's regardless of the point we can only beat what's in front of us because oh, by that logic we could win every single game 25 nil, and some people would go well it's second tier so it doesn't matter but then we'll complain when we don't do that so it's like Robbie and the team are currently in a no-win situation where if they batter them, people go, it doesn't matter, you're in the second tier. But then if they don't batter them, but still get results, it'll go, well, this isn't good enough. As I said at the start of the season, for me, this is just results this season. I don't care about performances as long as we get results. If we don't get results and the performances are shit, like on Friday, I'll complain, I'll say it's not good enough. As I made clear on Twitter that some people didn't understand... Some people were thinking I was saying that was fine on Friday. No, I never want to see a performance like that again this season. It's not good enough. But for me... We'll get plenty more of them, don't you worry? But if we win, I don't care. No, of course. Listen, I I know that results are the most important thing. I I get that. And yes, you know, the two matches that I've picked up on, we have won. A couple 1-0 wins. Cool. But... Let's be let's be totally honest here. That was a draw away at a side that are lucky to not be in League One, given everything that happened last season. Yeah. That does that does that not get on your nerves? Because honestly, if it, if it, it happened it, consistently, yeah. But if that's just a fluke result when we battered them six-one, then no. It gets on my nerves in terms of the immediate reaction. Like on Friday night, I was really annoyed. But I look at it and go. Right, if we played them 10 times, that we'd win most of them. If it then starts to become a pattern, like it did last season, that's when the worry is. Because I worry that some people prioritise performance too much so that people would be happy if we played really well and got beat. Now, I can understand that in the top flight when you're playing against Celtic, Rangers, to some extent Aberdeen. Because it's a consolation. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. can go, well, listen, we had no chance against Celtic at Parkhead, but listen, we went there and gave a, gave a good show of ourselves. We That's kept great. it tight, gave ourselves a chance to win the game, yada, 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 on another absolutely. day. Absolutely. I just don't think you can put that attitude into this season. I think it's win by any means necessary. So when we don't win, it's not good enough. We should be winning every game. But... I didn't understand the narrative that we're failing in this division because we're just objectively not. We've lost no. the least amount of games. We're 13 points clear. We've scored the most amount of goals and conceded the second least. No, uh, listen, I, I get that. But then, do you not... Does that not play into what you're saying in that when we don't start well, if, if we're doing everything that we can to win and we start well then I'm fine with that. It's when we're sluggish and we don't look bothered. And that wasn't the case on Friday night. I, I just felt as though it's in previous performances. Ugh, I, I can remember saying this earlier on, like a good few weeks ago now, 
I feel as though we're far too concerned in this league about what opposing teams are going to do to us. Whereas everybody, they said it even in the BBC's um, coverage on Friday night. You know, everybody's viewing Hearts as a scalp. Everybody's well up for matches against Hearts. Why Why can we not get going? You know, it, it takes, like the Wraith match, it takes for them to score five minutes for us to try and wake up. They then go 2-0 up. They then go 3-0 up. We claw two back, but by then it's too late. You know, why do we always get off to such a shit start? Dunfermline was exactly the same. We nick it 10 minutes from time after they've had numerous chances to score. Air, cool. We could have had a pen after five minutes. You see them given, sometimes you don't. But yet, that was more of a penalty to me than the one that we got. I just, yeah, that's fair. I just, I, it, it frustrates me so much. It just seems like we're spunking money up the wall. Honestly, like, given this playing budget, given the personnel that we have in the squad, and, and I know that we're 13 points clear. Cool. But to me, it just seems like we're limping towards it. It's just, the season, I don't know whether it's the lack of crowd, I don't know whether, you know, it, it just doesn't feel real, but it, like, it just seems like it's such a write-off already. I mean, it's February. That's what I wanted this season to be, though. I didn't want it's, to it's gloriously dumb. remember this season, but I don't care. Like, I, do, I don't enjoy watching football just now, whether it be Hearts or anybody. Um, I saw a conversation that was started um, on Twitter. It had nothing to do with Hearts, it was to do with Scottish football generally on Twitter. That It was like, if this is what next season is, delay it until we can get crowds back, mothball the whole thing, put everybody back on furlough, because, for example, right, we are kind of we're in a unique position where this season we're playing teams that we normally wouldn't get to play, going to see, witnessing grounds that we're not getting to witness. So there is that novelty for Hearts fans. See next season, I'm no I'm no watching streams of us playing Hamilton four times a year. <laughs> like there's no for me there's no there's enjoyment no novelty of that. or anything like that. Exactly. Like I've been to the, I've seen them physically in the flesh. Why would I want to do it regularly with nay fans what an honor. when I'm stuck? Exactly. And to answer your question, why does it take us so long to get started? And if they can get up for it, why can't we? I think that in essence answers your question. I'll be totally but I don't think this is a good enough excuse, but I think this is the excuse many will use. See if I'm playing for hearts, I couldn't give a shit about our growth. <laughs> I could I couldn't get I couldn't get up for our growth. I couldn't get up for Morton and all that. Whereas if I'm playing for our growth, you get to play hearts. That could be the biggest game in your career if you are one of those guys who play in the lower leagues for all your career and the championship's kind of the height that you get and if in the Scottish Cup or the League Cup you never manage to draw one of the big teams that could be one of the biggest games of your career or if you're a young guy it will be the biggest game of your career up until that point well it's so, funny sorry go on I was just going to finish there with whilst I don't view it as a good enough excuse for our players to not get up for it I can understand why when there's no fans to help you on there's no we're in a lower division against lower grade teams like Liam Boyce I can totally understand I know that's probably a bad example because Liam Boyce does look arsed but if I'm a player of his yes exactly if I'm a perceived player of his ability why should I get up for games against Alloa 
So would you would you not have played the young team? Because then at least they've got a point to prove in that. Yeah, that's a fair if, point. If I perform for Hearts in the Championship, I'm then more likely to assert myself in the Premiership. Absolutely, that is that, not, that is a that very not fair add point. Sort of an incentive. It would. I understand not doing it from a management perspective of because course. there's the risk that yeah, yeah. we don't do what we're currently doing. We don't go 13 points clear. It's us, Dunfermline, Dundee and Wraith kind of competing for it. I understand, but I do get that point. Like, for example, that's why numerous times this podcast, this season, sorry, I've been saying that Scott McGill I'd like to see more of. Yeah, yeah. I would have liked us to recall Connor Smith. From his look, because I would just, I, I totally agree with that. It it's kind of like a free season for them, where they can get up, where they can get up to speed and stuff like that. So I'm not saying that. Oh, I'm fine with the players not looking arsed. My biggest complaint is that that they've been able to do it one week where we beat Dundee six two, Queen of the South six one, Wraith away four 0 and then in other games we can't beat Alloa, we can't beat Queen of the South like. It has been my biggest bugbear, but I just don't, I don't understand personally with this narrative that we're limping towards it because limping towards it to me is not thirteen points clear. No, I just, I just mean in terms of performance. Look, I, I, I got the impression from Ryan Stevenson. Let's talk about mm-hmm. him on on Friday mm-hmm. night because I thought for the most part that he was absolutely bang on with what he said. And Absolutely, I get the impression that Stevo. I, I I know for a fact he said it on open goal, but he would be willing to play for Hearts for nothing. This mm-hmm. is what I mean in terms of getting up for it. I just feel as though if you're a Hearts first team player and you've underperformed so poorly last season to lead us to obviously where we are, etc., etc., are you not then looking to make up for that in essence? by doing your absolute damnedest to get us out of here? Or do you just think, well, we've performed well against Hibs in the Scottish Cup, Celtic in the Scottish Cup. Yeah, we did them in the derby, but ultimately lost the final. That should be enough to appease the supporters. Well, this is the thing. I think this is a good time to move on to the second point because it is involved in that. Cool. What Stevenson said. So... The second point comes from Friday night. You were involved in this. And I I got fucking... The amount of messages and tweets I got because of me being affiliated with this unprofessional outfit. What did I say? (laughs) Meant that after... Who was it that initially said the tweet? Before we say what the tweet is... Who was it that initially said... Was it a podcast account or was it just a guy that people jumped on? Uh, it was a, a fan page, I think, that I quoted. Right. Cool. So, can, I, can I just say, I, I, I am going gonna, gonna to defend myself here. That's fine. You're allowed <sighs> to defend yourself. I'm not just going to throw you under the bus and say, fuck's sake. No. Um, however, if people missed it, after Friday night, after, I think, particularly after Robbie's comments after the game... It was discussed, thrown around on Twitter, the suggestion that with the way Robin Nielsen is currently being perceived or the way that we're currently playing, Hearts fans, if the possibility ever came up, which it is incredibly unlikely, 
But if it ever came to be that we could get Derek McInnes in, that Hearts fans should welcome that with open arms. Some people are saying anybody suggesting otherwise is a fool, doesn't understand football, doesn't it isn't paying attention properly. And that Derek McInnes would, would be a very, very good appointment. Now, before I give my thoughts, what was what were your tweets and then subsequent thoughts personally about that got me loads of reaction and got people like Joel Sked and Craig Fowler involved. Well, I think these are two different sort of points. So there are the the tweet. First of all, I I tweeted what I tweeted off the account because of Ryan Stevenson's comments on the BBC. Yes, that to me is exactly what I'm craving. This club, I don't want to get too deep here, but this club means a lot to a lot of people. And in my eyes, it is as infectious as a fan as it is for a player that played for it or used to be. Whether it's Steve-O on the BBC, Andy Webster on the Talk of the Tune calls, Big Kev on, on Open Goal, Big Kev and Kyle... I just feel as though the club could do more to get these ex-players to give the current ones a kick up the arse to crack on and paint them a picture of what it's like to actually have the Hearts fans, I don't want to say onside, but sort of have them adoring you like like I did for the three aforementioned players. Right, before we get into anything else, I have two points to make to you against that. Here we go. One, go on. I understand that point, but... I don't think you physically... See, even if you got a bus and filled it with Robbo, Rudy Scatchel, Hartley, Steve-O, Kyle, and all those people, and sent them a record in, I don't think you can put that across to new players until they've played in front of a full-time castle. That's a good point. Your second. They don't have any understanding of the club just now. Which is nope. totally okay. understandable but, because they're disconnected. But Robbie will have half, had to have painted them a picture well, in order to get this to is sign. the second point. Uh-huh, go on. Do you not think Robbie Nielsen is like that? Well. Which was Joel Sked and Craig Fowler's point as well. Which, which again, I, I can understand, but... <sighs> oh, I, just, I just feel as though the players that I mentioned consider that an honour to play for hearts. Now, wait, just patient before you come at me <laughs> I was going to go mental <laughs> Steve-O looked as though he was actually upset his passion to me was you know infectious and he rightly said that we were rubbish I loved his point about not accepting players reluctance to get into tackles not trying to dominate your opponent he obviously cited how big hearts are this is this is where we get on to the manager Robbie is not inspiring me as a fan it just seems and, and I know that this is harsh. It just seems to me as though he's content with plodding along in, in the current environment. And I know COVID will have a lot to do with that, but I just, I, I don't get that that's particularly inspiring. I mean, I, I'm not impressed with his Hearts TV interview. You you and some others say to me, and on Twitter, the likes that he'll be keeping it in-house and that he's most likely tearing into the players where we sort of, as fans, can't see it. Hearts TV is our own television platform and he's laughing and joking blaming the surface. 
give me a break. The surface is the same for both teams. He's talking about tactics going out the window. So the tactic is then presumably keep the ball amongst ourselves. Because we don't bother going to try and penetrate Queens. We just keep it amongst ourselves, spray it side to side. No desire to carve out any opportunities to ultimately score. He talks about the ball bobbling. One or two touches to control the ball. We've got internationals amongst our ranks. Our club, our club captains played at the highest level. We've got players on astronomical wages in comparison to Queen of the South's eleven. I don't hear Alan Johnston make these same excuses or any Queen's players criticise the conditions that they're in. They're happy with a point and as far as I'm concerned, like I said earlier, they could have had all three given we were absolutely dire. Queen of the South haven't beaten us in my lifetime or my father's lifetime. 1964 was their last win against Hart and Midlothian. Robbie's saying that he's happy with a point because we've deserved absolutely nothing. Honestly... That speaks volumes, and that's the only thing I'll give him credit for when speaking to the BBC. I felt like turning it off when he said, oh, another point and another step forward to try and win the title. Are you mugging me off? They should have been in League One last or this season because they were that bad in this dross league. You know, then. Do me a favour, mate. Honestly, it, it, I, it, was, it was boiling my blood. And I like Nielsen. I do. We'll always have the memories of... That winner in Basel, the, the tackle in the Gretna final, us romping to the championship title in his first managerial season with Rangers and Hibs in the same league. But week by week, my patience is beginning to wear thin by what he's coming out and saying. And I don't know whether it's because I can't be there and I'm having to settle for watching it on the box, but as far as I'm concerned, the only consolation I could take from the weekend was that it didn't cost me near enough 20 quid and it was on Kunsul Telly. That's it. Well, this is the thing. I, Sorry. I never, ever, ever give a fuck what players and managers say to the media because it's all bollocks. I don't care. <laughs> I, I just don't care. Like, I like it when they're positive. Like, for example, Jamie Walker last week. But it means fuck all. It doesn't mean anything. Because it is... It, it doesn't matter what they're saying in terms of positivity or neutrality. Because positively, you're going to be positive about your football club. That doesn't matter. It's a given whether you're a fan, manager, kit man, player. Who cares? Neutrality is always going to happen when your team isn't doing as well slash is underperforming. That's going to happen. Again, whether it's a player in an interview or it's a manager. I never want to hear a manager be negative about their players. Ever. Because that says to me, right, why should you be in the job then? If you can't, if you're just saying they were rubbish, they were rubbish the day, it's a, right. Well, that does nothing. What are you? What are you telling me? Like, where we? Where do we go from this then? I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. Frank Lampard. As soon as he turned on his players, I was like, right, you should go. That's it. You should be sacked. It's there is never been a t- I never want to hear Robbie unless we've be, been beaten twelve nil of Galafiridin Rovers. That's the only time I want to hear Robbie come out and say it was awful. It was embarrassing. I'm absolutely fine with him coming out and saying we weren't good enough tonight but we got a point. I'm fine with that. I disagree with him on the surface. I'm not trying to say I agree with him on the surface. I disagree that that's a point because I think if we played like that on grass it still would have been 1-0. That's not my point. My point is I I will never care what managers say to the press because they'll be saying something different closed doors, eh, behind closed doors. If they're saying the same thing that's when there's a problem. I would much rather... He protects our players in the media who don't give a fuck. They just want to see us 
get embarrassed in this league. And Robbie knows that, so he's not going to give them sound bites to react to that. Much like Alan Johnson wouldn't do it. Did you see the reaction in Mark Kerr on Twitter and the media last week when he was the bitterest man alive? It's like, that's all that does. And what it does is it takes away from the negatives that you should be focusing on. Mourinho is a masterclass at it. Mourinho always takes it away from his players by making them focus on himself. That's what I want from a manager. But you're saying there about Hearts TV, that's our own media source. But journalists still have access to it, so would print things. And people wouldn't give a shit where the source is quoted from, especially in these modern times social media. People don't read the articles or read the sources. They just see the headline with whatever it is. So if to like the BBC, Michael would, Stewart. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so if Robbie Nielsen came out on the BBC and said what he said about the... Uh, it was never a penalty, which he was right to say, and the surface, which he wasn't right to say, we got a point. But then on Hearts TV said, the surface didn't matter, the penalty doesn't matter, we weren't good enough, we were awful, they were terrible, they should be embarrassed. That is what would get quoted, that is what would get said, and that just adds unnecessary pressure that is completely uh, like man-made from ourselves. So I totally understand Robbie not coming out and being explosive and I don't think that means he doesn't care as much I don't think that means he isn't as energising to the players because whenever you hear the players talking they always say he tells Andy Halliday the other week where he was like I just got a dressing down in front of the entire squad if you'd listened to Robbie Nielsen just in the media you would never have any inclination that was happening but Andy Halliday said it happened in front of the entire dressing room and then he kicked on in those immediate three games that to me is this I I just personally don't understand why football fans, and this is a general thing, I, I don't just mean this about Hearts fans or yourself or anybody in particular, I don't understand football fans' fascination with post-match interviews in general, where it's like, for me, that's not the important bit. Do your talking on the park. On Friday night, we didn't do that, and that's not good enough. Where People always say they're sick and tired of hearing superlatives when we're not doing well enough. Well, I'm, say, I'm the exact same when, I'm, uh, when we're not doing well enough and I hear just, criticism from our managers our playing staff and stuff like that I don't want to hear that I know that that could be a contentious opinion I know like yourself you might disagree with that but for me a football manager's job is to protect his players and manage his players well how do you know that for example we're speaking about the young guys Aaron McInef has just joined I know he's not young young but he's still a, a younger player how do you know that if he came on the last 20 minutes and his manager then just turns around to the media and goes, they were all terrible. And that just makes his head drop because he thinks he wasn't good enough. Robbie will man-manage it. And famously, he's a very good man-manager as well. But I, I look at Levine's tenure and when he signed David Vanacek, he he then went to the BBC, I think it was. I think we played Livy in the Cup, if my memory serves mm-hmm. me. And he I don't know whether it was that game. or He, he hauled him off anyway, saying that he was too overweight. Yeah, I do you not feel as though that's sort of planting something for a, a reaction? You know, no, I, I hated that. I hated why? that. I was furious at that. Because no, what does that say to him? Oh, what does that say to Vanacek? And then he didn't do on. anything. That was it. Well, then what if that was to plant a reaction? What was the reaction? Because he never well, played him again. No, uh, but then surely that's down to the character that he's then signed. If he's, not up, if he's not up for it, then I'm not interested. You know, there's no point in Robbie trying to instill this siege mentality when we're looking to bounce back if we're all sort of too nice. I want a bit of nastiness. We don't seem to have that. It's just, oh, well, you know, we're top, cool. 
It'll, it'll, it'll probably be, oh yeah, we'll get back to the Premiership and we'll aim for top eight. I just, I just don't see where you're getting that from because there's been nothing to show that Robbie would ever have that lack of ambition. Robbie's walked the two championships he's had with us so far and in his first season we were third and he left us in second. And that goes to the second point about McInnes. Of all managers in Scotland, why would you want Derek McInnes when your complaint is is that the football's lackadaisical, it's not high tempo enough and we're not playing the well that we should be? Because I've got three Aberdeen mates and two of them are family members and that is why they want McInnes out. Because they, literally, those are the exact words they've used against McInnes. I can, I don't, personally, I don't understand wanting to replace Nielsen. But if you want to replace Nielsen, replace Nielsen. Don't get him, don't get in a like-for-like manager. What's the point in that? Listen, I'm, I'm neither pro nor anti-Nielsen. I, I just, just I'm pro-Nielsen. I just want, I just want a bit more. I, I, I don't know. I'm, le- I'm left underwhelmed. I, I, I'll be honest. I'm, I, this season, I've been left underwhelmed. And we look. We came within two penalty kicks of a Scottish Cup triumph, and we're sat top of the league. And I'm still underwhelmed. Okay, that that might sound spoiled, but I just I don't know. Heart, but this heart, is this is my heart's point. Doing Robin, my boxing, mate. I've got to be honest. They, Robin Nielsen. Robin Nielsen cannot undo five years of mismanagement in six months. He can't no. do it. No, but I, 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 I cannot believe uh, <laughs> this is going to counter your point. Why why you wouldn't want to take that gamble with McInnes? Now, I'm not saying to replace Robbie or anything like that. I just feel as though if, if it were, you know, it, if the stars were all aligning, and we had the chance to appoint Derek McInnes, who'd been out of work for, I don't know, a, a, a couple seasons. I'm nicking Joel Sked's belter of a stat from a view from the terrace on Friday night because, admittedly, I'd had a couple drinks by this point, but I thought it was still impressive, so I had to go back and, you know, get it. But in the 17 seasons prior to Derek McInnes being appointed as Aberdeen manager, the Dons finished in the top three once. In his seven full seasons in charge, they finished in the top three, in the top, yeah, top three, five times. And he actually, Joel himself, sorry mate, Joel himself said that Aberdeen fans are allowed to want more from their club, which sounds very familiar to me. But then Craig Fowler made the point that they are regressing. They've now just been, the last three seasons, they've continually dropped positions and the last two they've stabilised in a lower position. My what? reasoning behind not wanting Derek McInnes is because I don't think he's a good football manager. So the last three seasons out of eight is enough to undo the, the five years hard work? No, my point is this. I didn't understand why when people put those stats on Twitter where they listed the last whatever it was Aberdeen seasons and whatever it was Hart seasons, I wasn't allowed to mention that the best two performing seasons in that were Nielsen because one of them was in a lower division, despite it being the division we're currently in, and one of them was without Hebs and Rangers, yet McInnes is allowed to have the seasons without us, Hebs and Rangers, in them as well. Why Why is he allowed to say, oh, well, he got this position? And I go, well, he didn't have Rangers and Hibs in it, and for one of them, he didn't have us. But then when I say, Robbie Nielsen got us to third, 
people go, but you didn't have Rangers and Hibs in it. <laughs> I, I, listen, I just look at McInnes' tenure and I just think, aside from the generally decent league showings, they've had countless trips to Hamden. And I know that they've only won the League Cup. But cool. we, in the last three years, we've had we've been to Hamden almost every but, single but opportunity. This what, but this is what I was trying to say. Prior to the 1819 Scottish Cup, when was our last Hamden trip? 2013 League Cup 13. final? Yeah. Right, cool. So, five, near on six years. I get that we were performing well in the Cups under Levine, but then our league showings in that time were also embarrassing. So why why could we not have a manager that attempts to drag both up? But my point is, Robbie Nielsen can be that guy. He has one of the highest win percentages in, my, in our lifetime as a Hearts fans, right? I can't think... I can't count on one hand managers that will have a higher win percentage than Robbie Nielsen, and I'll even... I'll even take away completely the championship. Even all get right, rid well, of that, all that, the championship. <laughs> that gets rid of one of my points. The Premiership, he'll have one of the highest... And I'm not saying... Because, like, I was saying this earlier. Like, folk like Peter Houston took over for a caretaker and won one and won 100% of them. Like... I mean, Robbie's only had one full season with us in the Prem. Right, but in that one full season, he was the highest performer in years. So why is he not allowed to have that, but a guy who hasn't stepped foot in the door would automatically make us that good as Aberdeen? No, of course, I'm not saying that it's, you know, a given that should we appoint Derek McInnes, you know, we'll go on to build some sort of footballing dynasty. I mean... Look at the two examples down south. What happens when Man United got rid of Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsenal get rid of Wenger? I just I just look at McInnes and I think and Aberdeen and I thought that they were smart in what they were doing. I just they sort of nick the likes of your Graham Shinnies, your Kenny McLeans, who I'm a big admirer of, your Niall McGinn's from you know, perceived smaller clubs in Inverness and St Mirren's case or McGinn obviously not playing at Celtic, a, a divisional rival. And they just seem to get their careers going on again. They might sell a few on for profit down south or what have you. And they just, they always seem to replace appropriately. Like, need only look at the Sam Cosgrove business recently. I think Aberdeen pick him up from Carlisle for, what, 30 grand? And they've just sold mm-hmm. him to Birmingham for 2 million. You know, from, from a business perspective, with, with pushing for trophies... I know he's only won the one, like I keep saying, but appearances and just and his general—I don't know. It, I, I, My argument is just I don't understand the transfer market. I just think it'd be it'd be decent. And he—I just don't understand why Robbie Nielsen isn't afforded the same mixing of stats that Derek McInnes is, because Derek McInnes has been allowed that longevity. Robbie hasn't but still achieved more because people that was the thing people said in the stats it was like look at the last five years how terrible we've been and my response and other people who were pro Nielsen was yeah but the only time Robbie was here was the successful periods of those stats of the Bajira yeah the the best time we've had since administration has been with Robbie Nielsen at the helm that's just, that's no, unequivocal no, you can't no, argue with that nobody's denying that exactly I think some people are though. I, that's the issue I had with the McInnes debate, where right. some people were suggesting that you had to disregard Robbie's stats because of X, Y, and Z, 
But when the same arguments were made against McInnes, it's that, yeah, but look at what he's done over these seven years. It's like, well, that's a separate point. Because if Robbie had seven years, who knew where we would be? No, that, that's fair. But then... Then it was his choice. Yeah, but MK. I'm not going to... Yeah, of course. But let's not pretend that he wasn't getting the current reaction by some people. No, he had a of course. plane over the... I'm not saying... Yeah, that's to, the thing, a lot to an extent, of, he was people, ushered out. I'll, I'll give you yeah, that. I don't like it when some people rewrite history, as you say, and say he was basically, like, sacked, and that's it. It's like, no, he chose to leave. Absolutely, I'm not going to deny that. But he he's still unequivocally successful. Scatchel chose to leave. <laughs> we don't just go, ah, oh, well, that's it. We can't remember how good he was because he chose to leave. Everybody <laughs> leaves at some point. To be fair, I think that was Mad Vlad trying to recoup for the wages that he'd lost. In the but you know what I mean? It's like, for example, <laughs> in recent times, Hickey left. But we're not going to just say, oh, well, you can put, it doesn't matter then, because he left. Like, but no, he, that's He deserves that's better than works. this Ross, I tell you that for free. But, but that's the thing. Robbie Nielsen can turn us into something better. I genuinely believe this because I've seen it. Robbie Nielsen can turn us into something better. And I don't understand why people are willing to completely disregard that with a man proven at the club to get in someone that has the exact same complaints levelled at him and has no experience with the club. <laughs> and probably dislikes the club. Probably. That's a wee aspect, but it probably is an aspect. Obviously, he's, a, he's going to be a professional, but still. Everybody hates hearts outside, don't they? Exactly. But that's, that's just what I didn't understand about the McKinnis debate. The two points were, I didn't understand why stats were allowed to be given to some people, but not to others. No and that or if, whatever. Yeah. And that if you had to pick one guy, you've went with McKinnis. Well, I said, we could do a lot worse. I... Mm, I disagree. I think we could do a lot better as well. Yeah, well, no, I, I'd like to think so, given, you know, the perceived names even before Robbie re-got the gig. And yeah. there was or, or before Stendhal got the gig. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. I, I'm incredibly pro-Nielsen. Like, I've, I've never had that. The same as I've been pro-Boyce and pro a bunch of stuff. And I just think Friday night was terrible and it added ammunition to the people who are anti-Robbie, right? I'm not going to deny that. It was terrible. I just feel, though, that whenever he does good things, like get us to within two penalties of a Scottish Cup final, oh, yeah, that's, as you that's said, overlooked, 100%. It's, it, people go, he didn't win, and then those same people go, well, McInnes got them a so-and-so Hamden, but ignores the fact no, that he didn't win any of them either. That's fair. But listen, it's, it's absolutely a debate. I saw some people try to be like, you shouldn't be having this debate. It's like, no, like, have the debate. Just so, be... I thought it was a good one. Yeah, listen, just be confident in your stance. Like, if you disagree with me and think I'm an idiot, totally fair. If you disagree with Adam and think he's an idiot, totally fair. If you think somewhere in the middle that you can get points from my side, that's totally fair as well. both a couple of numpties. Ah, exactly. <laughs> and let's be honest, we are. We <laughs> know fuck all about this, right? So... On to more positive things. We've got a preview to come up. However, one thing that is unbelievably positive, because the preview could end up being negative, knowing us. <laughs> However, the positive thing is, is that John Suter is a month away from being back in full contact training. 
buzzing. The gas is real. A, a central defender that's capable. Wow. <laughs> no, just absolutely chuffed the, that Soapy's back in contention. It, my only concern, and I see loads of people say it on Twitter, and it is so true, is that he's not rushed back. And yeah, I think we need only look at the Peter Haring um, scenario. Just please take care, Soapy, because we don't want another long-term injury. It's just... It would be brilliant if we had Suter and a partner for the Prem. Now, I know that... Uh, it's it's a good time for him to get injured, and that sounds yeah. daft. Yeah, but you know what I mean in the terms. We've not had to rely on him this year. No, of course. So, it's 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 a consolation of his injury that he's currently injured. But it'd be great to yeah. have him back. Is what I'm trying to say. I I fully obviously I fully agree. Um, I just that is my main thing. We don't need him this year, so There's I just no don't rush. want to see. Yeah, there is, like, no rush to the extreme. You've got, like, seven months until next season starts. Bags of time. Bags of time. Just take all the time in the world. Because even, honestly, see, even if the title race was close, I'd still say don't rush back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I probably would as well. But especially because we're so far ahead. And, like, listen... Despite whatever me and Adam have been arguing about this year, I think we both agree the league is ours. Yeah, yeah. Seems it seems a nap. So, not, not even we can surely piss it away now. <laughs> <laughs> we can facilitate an argument as to when we think it will be won, maybe. But um, the league's done. We've got players described as centre-halves that can kind of play football enough to fill in that position until the end of the season. <laughs> so like you've got every faith in their ability. <laughs> See, if we had five centre-halves currently, I still think we'd keep clean sheets regularly. Speaking uh, speak of the centre-halves, did you see who Stuart Finlay's been linked with? Oh, he's got the MLS. I'll be raging if he goes to Philadelphia Union. because Is that who it was? I just saw he was got the MLS. Yeah. It's it, my dad's cousin stays in the states, um, and he's not into sport, but he stays in Philadelphia. So I've sort of kept an eye on the union, but it's I've absolutely no consolation if he goes there rather than Hearts. I was about to say you'll still be able to see him if you go across. Oh, I'll be fizzing <laughs> if he goes to the union instead of coming here. So get that contract signed, Big Stu, and you you can be Soapy's partner for the Prem. How does that sound? What a fucking tantalising offer that is! <laughs> what more could you want? You'll get you'll get back in the Scotland fray, the two of you. Fuck going to America in the nice warm weather. Oh no, Philadelphia's quite cold at times. It can be, but in the summer it's lovely. In the summer it is lovely. So fuck that, come and Gorky, it'll be class. <laughs> Freeze your arse off down at Somerset every every February. <laughs> come on, but yes, we're delighted to hear that John Suter is back. However, he will not be back. For the Saturdays, the only Saturday game this month. Oh, lovely segue. And the only home game this month, which is mental. Um, the only one that got... I'm confident that we'll get three points <laughs> in. <laughs> exactly. Uh, however, yes, we have got Morton at home. The last time we played them, it was one of our few good away performances, actually. Comfortably won 2-0. And how do, you th- how do you see this one going and what kind of team would you like to see? Your mate bagged a brace, didn't he? 
He did. He did indeed. <laughs> um, what what do I what do I want? I'd quite like to see Nandrelli back in the fray. I know that Robbie... Oh, we never spoke about that! I know that Robbie touched on sort of a hamstring issue and he didn't want to risk it on that park or whatever, which I can understand, but... Yeah, he was apparently back in training this this week. So he could be in contention. Um, As for anything else, you know, I'd just love to see us penetrate in the wide areas. That would be be nice for me. I've seen it again. I want a 3-5-2. Oh, Rather than the the perceived four two three one, yeah, I just don't think it's stroke, working just now. Stroke four four two, interesting. This is probably the game to change it up if you are going to change it up. Yeah, what what are you thinking then? I'm thinking Gordon, Papescu, Halkett, Kingsley as a three. Oh, yeah. Smith and GMS either side. Smith and GMS either side. Then you're not going to believe this. You ready? It's exciting. It's exciting. Herring, McInef, Irving as a three. Oh, I like the sound of that wee trio. McInef in the ten. I thought so. Nice. I, I realised I said that as if Irving was in the ten. I no, didn't no. mean that. No, I, 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 I could sort of work that out. But and, and then Nandwili and Boyce up front. Nandwili and Boyce up front. Interesting. No place for Walker. No. Given his Friday night performance, I'd, he I'd was probably fucking terrible. However, I say that I'm still actually no. If he's fit, which I don't think he is, I would drop GMS for Ad White. I was about to say because I, I thank God you said that that you were dropping Castanier, yeah, and not yeah. GMS. Given the the Palmerston performance, I just feel as though let him get up to speed for the bench. Or Ad White, no GMS. All right, <laughs> no Ad White. <laughs> Um, he's been our best left-sided player this year I'm, I'm intrigued you come with that that's awfully defensive though with Smith and White either either wing back no but they can bomb forward look at Smith no, plays centre mid loads of times what a guy Smith just seems to get to a point in games where he's like you lot aren't creating anything and he just like overlaps <laughs> takes matters into his own hands doesn't he yeah <laughs> or in this case feet exactly like I don't think that is I understand what you mean but we've not been keeping clean I know we've just kept three clean sheets prior but I'd like to keep the defensive solidity going so that can transition into a five if you want it to and White and Smith can play fullback and then just kamikaze football up the wings come on Mac and F box to box it's it's Morton mate it's a rock and roll by nature and then we've got the likes of Walker Nasey your GMS cast in the ears to bring off the bench. Exactly. There's no that way all ju- four will be named in a six-man bench, though, surely. Surely not. Because Bear be will need to be in it. Stuart will need to be in it. That's it. Uh, there you go. That Done. is it. Yeah. Hendo. Oh, that would be incredible. The most attacking bench ever. <laughs> oh, dear. What are you wanting, though? Are you happy with that 3-5-2 or are you wanting something else? No, I... I, I I quite like the sound of that, to be fair, but I don't. I, I mean, I can't. It's never going to happen because I've seen three five two every week, and that's it's what, never. Happened. That's what I was just about to say. There's no way that he opt from away from the four two three one. Um, I I obviously keep Gordon in the back four. Same. In midfield, what what am I after? 
Irvin was bad on Friday. Yeah, th- th- this this is part of my this is part of my. So thought. was everybody though, apart from Boise. You can't really criticize that. And Gordon was good on Friday night, but he did had fuck all day. But then maybe maybe by keeping them in, they can sort of prove why they deserve to be on the park. Especially Irving, who's been great this year. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, Irving I, I, and McInnes as a two. I quite like the two the two Andes in there. I quite like the I, thought of that. Howdy was shocking. But it's not, it's not come to fruition yet. I was so annoyed with Howard. It's the only annoyance for me. I, honestly, mate, I, I, I could not tell you what I want. I I probably would stick with the, the two wingers. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Would, would I start Naismith? I don't know. No. I, in fairness. No, you know, why not have Boyce in the 10 and the big man up front? Interesting. That could work. Don't see why not. I was about to say, Castanier could trying. actually... Castanier might be a good shout start because it would be his first time at home in decent conditions. Yeah. So I'm, it would be like, right, what can you do? You're now in optimal conditions and at home. Let's see. Well, well, this is what I was g- going to say as well because Robbie said that's why Gary mckay Stevens not really impressed so far. Mm-hmm. In that the, the Astros, he claims he can't, you know, be... That sort of creative influence that he... In fairness, his best game was Wraith away. <laughs> Which, well, listen, that's a, to be fair, that's a decent turf. I was about to say, they have a far better Astro yeah. than Queens do. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd go... Yeah, Halliday, Irving, Boyce at the top of that trio with GMS and Castanier on either side and the big man up front. Interesting. Well... We will see what ends up happening. Thank you, however, very much for listening to this domestic abuse situation, basically, for an hour and ten minutes. This is where you need to attach the helplines. <laughs> exactly. But listen, I thought that was quite it was quite vigorating, like got everything out that we've been holding up for the last five days. Well, I don't honestly, know about you. No, genuinely, this is the first time I've smiled since probably <laughs> probably Friday afternoon. <laughs> Just shout at me, it's fine. So, thank you very much for listening. We are at Perth to Paisley. You can get us on all the socials at Perth to Paisley. We're also on YouTube if you want to listen to the uh, the podcast on that platform. However, if you don't, we're available on all good podcast platforms. Please leave us a review on your platform of choice. Massively, massively helps. Adam, where can they get you personally on Twitter? They, They can get me personally on Twitter and all the socials for that matter at Adam T. Kendall and yourself mate I am at McIver the Mark hopefully when we come back we'll be speaking about a win at Tynecastle we will previewing the loving with Inverness next week and Before it'll all we be great shh shh <laughs> don't say that it'll be fine it'll be great we're going to see Robbo again the game will get called off and we're not going to play <laughs> but regardless Please have a good rest of your week. Join Talk the Tune if you want to. If not, message me and Adam Abuse on Twitter. It'll be fine. And we'll see you all next time. Mother JTs! Mm-hmm.